As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to this very special episode of the Race IndyCar podcast. Jack Benyon here and today on the show we have four-time Indianapolis 500 winner Rick Mears. Rick Mears won the 1979, 1984, 1988 and 1991 Indy 500s. One of four drivers to win the great race four times. Also holds the record for the most poles with six and the most front row starts with 11. No, it never gets old. I, you know, I enjoy those quite a bit. Actually, you know, obviously the four wins is big in, in polls, but in that I hadn't even realized that front row uh, 11 times, you know, until well, some, some years ago now, but um, had never really thought about it. And somebody brought it up as one of the stats to add it to the list. And I thought, wow, that's cool. You know, and because that to me, that one really shows the consistency, which is what I always tried to do, you know be knocking on the door all the time because uh, you know the more you knock on the door the more chances it opens and and um and and it showed the consistency of the team you know team penske and and uh of them always supplying the tools i needed to be able to get the job done so that was always one of my favorite stats i'm sure our listeners will be very familiar with all that success you had at penske and we'll, we'll get into that shortly it's 30 years since your your last indy 500 as a driver which is why it's so great to be able to speak to you this year at, at the speedway Thank you. before we get into that i wanted to kind of go back to the beginning and, and and go back to those roots a little bit tell us about those times where i guess you know it was immediately it was a struggle for you to to qualify when you first came to the to the speedway and how did you go from that to being able to impress roger to uh, give you a ride well i had no idea idea you know i mean it's like first of all i never dreamed of coming to indy it was way out of my league you know we were just racing and family recreation on the weekends you know work during the week to make the means to go play on the weekend and and that's that's all we were doing and and it just kind of snowballed and took its own course i never really planned any of it Uh, i wasn't doing one to get to another it was just having fun but uh so then when bill simpson kind of you know put things together and got my foot in the door with the indy cars and and uh, came here and got the opportunity to in '77, and and then failed to make the show, right? So, and then uh, Sue Guy, the owner, he decided to get out of the business. So I didn't have a ride, didn't have a job, uh, or anything else. And and throughout getting to that point, you know, through the off-road racing, I'd met some of the drivers. You know, I met obviously Parnelli, Jones, and 
and uh, met the Unzers when I was running Pikes Peak and that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, Bobby Unzer was the one that really kind of helped me out to get me the second ride. But uh, I remember I was sitting on the wall after my third attempt in 77 and not making the show and and wondering, thinking, well, maybe, you know, in another year, I'll have another year's experience under my belt and, and be back with a little newer equipment. And uh, little did I realize I was going to be coming back the next year with the best team in the business. So, you know, it was just, um, it all just happened very quick. And, uh, you know, I think I think one thing that may help, you know, the two teams that I drove with before Roger, we, we desert racing taught me to finish. You know, that the only way you can win anything is by finishing it. And the desert racing taught me that early on. And the motorcycles taught me not to make mistakes because it hurt. But, um, and I think Roger saw that in those first races with the, the two other teams that, you know, we, we either, we finished if we, if the car was still running, we got to the end. And I think that helped build a little um, confidence that he could, you know, give me a try and not cost him a fortune. <laughs> What do you remember about 79, the, the first win? Because uh, I guess that was only two years after you'd failed to, to qualify at the Speedway. So that's such a, you know, a rapid ascent to being able to, you know, you, you know better than anyone how difficult it is to win this race and, and how many great drivers don't get to experience oh, that, yeah. that win. Yeah. So, you know, how, how, what do you remember about the, that 79, that first year? Well, you know, first of all, just the, that was my first pole also. Uh, ever in an IndyCar to, to get sit on a pole. So that was, uh, and I always loved, you know, especially from that point on, loved qualifying around here. It was it was almost as much fun for me to win the pole as it was the race. It just didn't pay quite as much. But um, but I, I loved qualifying here. So, the, so then, because uh, we qualified on the front row the first year in, in 78, and then, you know, we'd won some other races and then uh, qualified for the first pole, first time. And then ended up winning a race, and, and it was like, oh, great, we won another race. Because I never dreamed of being here. So, it, you know, I didn't have family running here before me, and, and so I never really followed it. Uh, I didn't understand what winning Indy meant or took because we won it so quickly. It was like, I mean, don't get me wrong, I appreciated it, but uh, I didn't understand what it took or what it meant. And so it was like, oh, great, we won another race. We'll come back next year and try it again. Well, then after you run a few years and you don't win, then you start looking around. and Plus, in that time, you start learning the history of the place and what it means and, and what it takes. And, and you start saying, wow, you know, so many have never had the opportunity to win it, period, and let alone more than once. So, so what are the odds of winning it twice? You know, so each time, the odds got slimmer and slimmer. But uh, now the race was a good race. We just, you know, we did the kind of according to plan of what we always tried to do here and that was get to the end first and um you know we we ran and worked with the car and made the changes the guys did on the the team to get the car where it needed to be to be ready for the shootout at the end if you if it boiled down to it and it looked like it was going to boil down to it between my teammate and i bobby answer and so okay we were getting to the end now it's time to go and uh, I started trying to put a little pressure on Bobby, and I, I felt like we had a good enough car to do it, to get by him. And then, uh, I don't remember how many laps to go, he lost fourth gear, and uh, which kind of ended his chances for the day, but that opened the door for us and without having to do the battle. But, uh, and then from that point, it was just a matter of, you know, make sure you make no mistakes and, and get it home. But I remember the, 
the press conference, the first question asked was, when did you realize you had it sewed up? I said, well, when I came off a of turn four for the checkered flag and I got by pit entry, then I knew there was nothing else I could hit. <laughs> and uh, if, the, if the wheels fell off the thing, I could ricochet the rest away. So I wish my memory was as good as yours. It's fantastic hearing you recall those, uh, those, those moments. I guess the, just sticking with 79 for a second, you know, that obviously shot you to stardom and you, know, you were immediately on pretty much everyone's radar in, in motorsport at that point. And that obviously led to the, the Brabham test in, in the, well, the two tests in the, in the F1 car at Paul Ricard and, and Riverside as well. I guess you know, it's quite a well-trodden story now. Um, you've spoken about this before where you went and tested the car, you kind of negotiated with, with Bernie and, and in the end chose to, to stay in IndyCar. I guess I was also, um, I saw earlier this year that Bobby Rahal had been sent a, a letter by Bernie Eccleston that was read out to you. <laughs> yes. It was basically that Bernie still couldn't understand why you hadn't taken, oh, why turned you hadn't it down. Turned it down. <laughs> it, I, how do you reflect on that now? And, and do you have any regrets about not, you know, thinking about Formula One? Well, obviously you were thinking about it and not going there and, and trying that out. No, really, there, there are no re regrets because the, the main thing for me was to, it was my own curiosity. And, uh, because I'd been learning it through other things as I as I came along the line, and every time I got into another car, another class, and I loved driving everything I could get in, you know, and and so it was that curiosity: could I do it if I decided to? And so when I got the opportunity to do the test, you know, it was great. And uh, and then once we did the test, I realized it was a race car because every it seemed like everything I got in, once I got going, this is another race car. They all, they speak a little different language. You learn the language, you listen to what it tells you to do, that it needs, and that's what you do. And so, you know, I was, I was curious if, if they were a head taller than me, or, <laughs> and, and I learned that with IndyCar, the very first race. I remember taking the green and going down the straightaway, and I, and I looked through the field, and I saw we were back a ways right in the field. But I looked forward, and I could see Mario and, and Unzers and, and all those guys, and, and I remember thinking they put their pants on one leg at a time like I do. <laughs> and um, it's a matter of doing the job and getting the right opportunities and all that. So, again, it was my, my own curiosity. Once I got to drive the car, and, and then Bernie and I sat down and, and came to terms on everything, it boiled down to, for me, once I proved to myself that we could do it, um, that just kind of then it boiled down to where am I going to have the most fun because that's why I got into this business because I love driving and uh, and in our series we got to run everything you know the road courses the ovals street circuits speedways you know a little of everything and um, you know and Formula One was just obviously just road course only um, the money was good <laughs> it would have been great but but it really, and, and also I was still fairly new with the Penske organization, and I, and I loved this team. And, um, and I wasn't really quite ready to give it up yet. Um, but I really got to prove to myself, I didn't feel I needed to prove it to anybody else, that if we wanted to do it, we could be competitive. And um, it would boil down to the same thing, the right opportunities. That was the other hard part of the decision. It was the right team, right time. And I knew that. And, um, you know... And to be, you know, teamed with Nelson, and and he, he won a world, won the world championship the next year. So the timing was good, but um, it just boiled down to where am I going to have the most fun? I guess it's, um, you know, maybe a misconception. People, you know, connect you to ovals, and I know you've spoken about how much you enjoy 
racing on ovals, but the fact that you were, you know, faster than Nelson Piquet at the Riverside test when you were doing all the gearbox testing and stuff, I think that shows how adaptable you are. And that kind of comes on to the next question because you're quite well known at the Speedway for being adaptable and you have some, you know, you've taken some unusual lines over the years and you have your own style at the Speedway. I think a lot of that goes back to your, your dirt racing routes, doesn't it? But you've talked about having the car kind of floating on the surface and how some drivers find that to be a negative thing, like the loss of grip, but you yeah. kind of think that that's where you need to be that if you're not you're not pushing hard enough if the car's not loose on the speedway right no that's right uh, you know when i hear him say that i, I kind of laugh to myself because i thought man I, you know i don't think qualifying i've ever had one in the track they're always on the track you know not in it now now when it comes time for the race and i want the car more in the track but qualifying to me it felt like i had to be on top of the track and it was almost a i try to explain it to different people over the over the years different drivers and stuff you know new guys and it was almost like when you get forced up in the gray you, you get pushed up into the gray and you're you feel like the grip is so light you can't make a move you can't turn the wheel you don't want to give it the throttle you don't want to let off you don't want to do anything you know and that to me was kind of a qualifying feel and and if you were on the limit all the way through the corner and and um but you had to be very smooth to do that. You, you, you couldn't be very erratic because you'd shake the thing loose. But that seemed to sit my, suit my natural driving style a little more. And, and the slower tracks, uh, the tighter circuits, I had to, you know, because it was more of a manhandle-type driving, uh, I had to learn how to do that more. But um, it just suited me, and I loved qualifying. So it was, uh, it was just something that was fun to do. I guess just moving on a little bit, you know, you talked a little bit about that gap where maybe it was a bit difficult for you to, to grab the second win because there was a kind of like a short gap between the, the first and the second, I guess. But that also included 81 where you had the, the pit lane burns. And then obviously it's well known that you you didn't crash at the speedway until your penultimate race in, in 91 when, you know, that was a car problem as well. It wasn't like you'd made a mistake. So uh, I guess talking about this. I never liked pain. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, you know, the, 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 the burns and stuff, I, I guess maybe that was your first experience of something so serious happening in, in sort of open wheel racing. So how difficult for that was that to come back from and, and, and to kind of, you know, weather that when you're trying to, to race? Well, it really wasn't. And in, in, in any of these things, it's, if I knew, if I know what happened, if I know what caused it, and, and if it was me and something I did, okay, I know not to do that again. And as long as I knew what happened, it was never a problem getting back in the car. But I think what, what helps make that happen is if you love what you're doing. And, um, and that's like, so after that, it was, you know, we found out what caused the fuel problem, you know, uh, in the pit and everything else. So it was a matter of healing up and, you know, obviously when I was, I missed a race, I think after that and, and, um, with the burns and started reading, oh, Mears is retiring. Mears is doing this. Mears is doing that. You're right. So I think my first race was at Atlanta and, and we came back and won it. And I remember after we, after we crossed the line, I thought, how's that for retirement guys? <laughs> you know, it's it just, cause I had no plans of, of not getting back in the car. It's, um, any of the, anything, anytime anything like that's happened, that, as long as I know, it's not a problem. Do you like Formula One, but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, 
you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. I guess moving on to, to 91, uh, you know, a lot of people will look back at that and, and think, you know, the, the, the biggest part of that was the fourth win and, and joining that club at the time, only three people. You, you became the third at, at that point to, to achieve that feat, which is obviously incredible. But I know you've spoken about the, the front row of that race being so important to you and also the, the qualifying element of it, taking the sixth pole as well. I guess kind of speak a little bit about how, you know, many drivers wouldn't mind if they never had a pole position in their life as long as they'd won four Indy 500s but you really enjoy those those qualifying aspects of it and that front row especially meant a lot to you didn't it with the people who were beside you on that front row yes I did to be on the you know the front row of two of my heroes you know with uh, AJ and Mario and it was um it was kind of a special day and to, you know to to be on the pole ahead of them and uh but but then also because of what had taken place in the month earlier with the crash and all that kind of thing, uh, you know, it was just it, it's it was kind of twofold. It was you know sitting on a pole is to let the team know that the crash didn't bother me. That was one of the things, and it's kind of a payback to them for the hard work they did and. And it showed the depth of the team to bring the the T car out. And it was one day, wasn't it, between you having the crash and then qualifying the next day? Was it? Yeah, I don't remember exactly. Uh, it was, yeah, it was pretty close, and and um, there, there wasn't much time, but it was, you know, just show the depth of the team. You know, they bring the T car out, and, we, and we're just as quick in it as we were with the you know with our backup cars, we were with the race cars. So, but also I wanted to you know show them we we could get back on. I'd never hit the wall, or whatever around there. And show them we can get back on the horse and go that it wasn't going to affect me and um and so to have all that come into play and then the, then the race itself you know we'd fractured the bones in my right foot which we didn't really talk a lot about but um when we got back in the car and got started in the race it, it felt like somebody was sticking a hot knife in the side of my foot and so i, I was trying to figure out how i could re locate my foot on the throttle to, to make it quit hurting and it wouldn't there the only way it wouldn't hurt was if i could take pressure off of it and lift well you, obviously you can't do that during the race so i kept moving around and pretty soon i thought okay i took my left foot and stuck it on top of my right foot and pushed down with my left foot and you start using my left foot to work the throttle on top of my right foot I found that when I pushed down with my left foot, then I could pull back with my right leg and it relieved the pressure on the side of my right foot. And that would help the pain. So I thought this might work. So basically I ended up running that whole race with my left foot on the throttle until we got to the shootout at the end. And then I went back to normal just because I, by then the adrenaline's gone and forget the pain we got to go here i'm sure your opponents will be pretty upset by the fact you were, had your left foot on the throttle for the entire race it's almost like driving the race with a, an arm behind your back <laughs> yeah, i know you um i know you surprised the team in in 92 at the the kind of christmas party when you decided to to retire but obviously you've stayed with the Penske organization ever since and you've you've been at the speedway i think pretty much every year haven't you since um with, with the team for someone who maybe 
you know, wasn't involved in the traditions of the race or, or didn't know about that so much before you started racing. That's a long time to, to continue coming back to the speedway. And I guess a big part of that must be your work with the drivers at, at Penske. And you've um, obviously taught, or maybe you won't like the word taught, but you've advised, uh, you know, a lot of the Penske's best rookies. Um, you know, Helio obviously comes to mind, someone who, who won in his rookie year, and you will have worked with all these drivers. I guess, how do you balance that against um, your your race wins? How much satisfaction do you get from the role that you've had at Penske since you've finished racing? Well, it's it's about the closest thing you can get, you know, as far as the, the satisfaction of, of feeling like you had a little part, you know, to play and, and try to help everybody out. And and I just, I appreciated all the help I got from guys when I came in. And and so I've always had a tendency to, to help anybody that we could, you know. Um, these days a lot of these guys young guys come in here they they don't need a lot of help you know they're 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 all very talented and it's really just kind of whatever pops up at the time that i can help with like in the earlier days with um you know some of the younger drivers it was it's more or less helping the, you always hear about the team gelling and coming together you know i could kind of help speed that process up you know i listen to a driver he may have a language that he's learned from another team that's different than than what our engineers are used to or whatever but when I hear him explain what the car is doing in the middle of a corner, I say, okay, you mean it's doing, he says it one way, and I say, okay, you mean it's doing this, this, and this? Yeah, yeah. So now the engineers know what he's talking about. So I could kind of help speed up the gelling process in that respect, but really it's just whatever I could help with and uh, whatever popped up at the time. But um, I've always enjoyed doing that. Well, what do you make of uh, Scott McLaughlin just coming into to present day now? Because in, in many ways, he, he kind of... Uh, I don't want to say he reminds me of you, but he, he's come in with a, a different background and maybe not with so much experience of the speedway. And he's taken to it very quickly. And, and even last year, he looked, you know, oh, yeah. at home pretty pretty quickly here at the at the speedway. What do you make of his transition and, and just how you know what he's been able to do at the start of this season? It's just incredible, based on someone who has basically no open wheel experience before. Oh yeah, no, it's great. And you know, he's done a hell of a job. He really has, and he's a tremendous talent. And he, he didn't win everything he did in those cars and the championships that he did by not being talented so so i knew the ability was there without a doubt uh but there's always a learning curve and you know i think he was a little you know he he would you know he expects to run up front and he expects to win and um and i think he you know like last year he was getting a little frustrated but everybody was kind of comparing him to other new drivers but they came out of Formula One cars, basically, you know, or open wheel. So they had a leg up to begin with on him. You know, what he came out of was totally different. And so that learning curve was going to be a little steeper. Um, and I think, you know, he, he really ran much better last year than his res results showed. And this year, I think he's really just coming into his own. You know, he's really, he's learning the finer feel of these cars, which is basically the difference. These cars, you have to learn what they're telling you. Yeah, you have to learn to listen to what they're saying before they do something, not after, and and then responding to it. So he's really refining that and, and getting it down, and he's just been doing. I mean, I, I know after his first win, uh, at, uh, first race at St. Pete, <laughs> I told him, I said, God, you look like you were driving a V8 car out there. You know, he just looked relaxed at home, settled in, you know, and, and he did. He never put a foot wrong, and uh, 
And that's all just with these these things take take laps, no matter who you are. I guess you know the a big part of that is the the amount of tools that you have on the steering wheel these days, and the amount of technology that's going on behind the scenes. You know, would you like to have, you know, if you were starting your career now, would you have liked to race in this era? Because uh, you know, looking at Scotty and what he's had to do, I mean, you know, not to. Um, not to undervalue what what the cars were like back in your day because they were obviously right, so difficult sure. to handle at the speedway. But you know, on a qualifying lap, you weren't always reaching for bars and and using the weight jacket to control the aerodynamics and and all of this kind of thing. It's much more complicated from a, a process point of view, isn't it, in the car? So is that something you would like to have started your career with? Would you have enjoyed that challenge? Uh, on on one hand, yes, and on on the other, no. And you know, first of all, it'd be very confusing to me. Uh, I'm glad I missed all those buttons in that respect but but it would have been fun to play with and and more tools to use but but on the other side of that i've always i i like to leave it to me and, and a lot of things that come out over time i felt like would t- took tools away from a driver um i mean just for an example the the paddle shifters yes they're a good thing don't get me wrong they are and um, but if on a road course, if I there's some tracks we might shift five thousand shifts the length of the race. If I miss three shifts and they miss ten, I've gained an advantage. So so excuse me by by having that I've lost a tool. And uh, you know so it's like a bump in a corner. You know you've got this bump in a corner and everybody starts complaining. Well, we got to get rid of the bump. No, leave that bump alone. That's a tool. That allows me to figure a different way through the corner, a different pattern, work on the shocks, whatever, to figure out how to get across that faster than they do. So in some respects, any driver aid type things, I always felt like I was losing a tool, you know, when we went to that. Um, But it's fun to play with. I mean, it would be, you know, fun to, uh, because in a sense, it's it's something you can try to do better than they do also. but I, I liked it a little more mechanical. The speedway, it's always difficult to win at. You know, that is the that is the constant. It doesn't matter what the technology is or, right. or what the cars are. You know, the race will always be tough to win. How do you feel about Helio's coming to the conversation now? Because obviously he has he has four wins now. So I guess this year you're being asked, you know, what, what will it be like for someone to break that record and, and to have one more win? Because there's, you know, at the moment there's four of you on, on four wins and Helio's got this opportunity to go for five. Although coming from 26th on the grid is going to be difficult for him. How, how will you feel if someone takes that record are you the kind of person who you know likes to see those records uh, beaten or do you want to hold that one forever oh i i you know you know obviously i'd like to hold any record as long as we could but uh, but they are meant to be broken and uh, and i think it'd be good for the series it'd be good for the sport you know for somebody to get a fifth win in in that respect um but i told him to be careful because you know he's he is very much a people person you know he's very outgoing and he enjoys that and I said, just remember, if you win that fifth one, you're going to be all by yourself. You know, you're not going to be a part of the club anymore. You're kicking him out of the club. <laughs> you're going to kick, him, kick him, out. him out of the club. But uh, so you're going to be all on your own, you know. And uh, so be careful what you wish for here. But it would be great. I mean, he's if he wins it, he earned it, you know. And um, and like I said, it'd be good good for all of us in a, in a lot of ways. But if we can hang under the record, I wouldn't mind that either. But just going back to that that um, you know the aspect of you helping these drivers out as well. I guess you you know you've had such a, a huge role in in Helio's career, and you know even if you are kicking him out of the club and he, and he breaks that record, you know you've had you know you can I think you can claim some you know. Um, 
some of that success as you know you were part of it weren't you you know for for so long uh, yeah i guess in a sense we would we would have been a part of it in that respect but uh but if he does it again, it'll be on his own. <laughs> he did it. Rick, I think that's <laughs> he a earned w- it. wonderful place to end. Thank you so much for taking the time at the Speedway to speak to us. That was a very special episode of the Race IndyCar podcast. The Athletic.